1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. John, I wanted to talk to you after my holidays about where we're going in terms of figures and and the data. We're we're about a fortnight now since the so-called Freedom Day on the Mm. 19th of July. And I think, I was certainly concerned, I think you were too, that Boris was betting the family silver on Mm. getting this right. Do
0: you think he has? (laughs) You're absolutely right, PJ. There was one... Awful lot of unknowns in that decision, really. I mean, I don't think that will probably be admitted to, but there were quite a few unknowns and there was political factors in the decision as well as advice from the scientists. Although the scientists, the chief medical officer and the chief scientific officer were, I think, more or less on board at the time. Now, what we've noticed, you've probably you'll be aware of this, but the cases went up quite dramatically in the UK for a period of time. And then they fell for seven days, and now they're sort of jiggling around. That they were up for a couple of days, and I think they were down a little bit yesterday. So um, the numbers aren't, aren't aren't too bad at the moment. There's certainly nothing like the hundred thousand that we were frightened of that that, that was a real uh, modelling epidemiological risk. Now, the, the, what, why the cases have gone down so quickly for that seven day period isn't really clear, because what you would normally get in a pandemic is as herd immunity develops, the cases would start going up more slowly, then they would flatten off, and then they would go down slowly, whereas what we've seen is a dramatic drop. So I think I think we can say that that's not due to this community herd immunity type hmm. phenomena that people are, are often talking about. I think they went up quite a lot, PJ, because of, it's hard to prove this yet. Data will be coming out soon, but the Euros, hmm.
1: uh,
0: not so much the games themselves, but Um, You know, people, um, big screens drinking inside, you know, often quite a few drinks inside. (laughs) And and, and there were more cases in men as well. Not that women don't go to these things. Of course Mm. they do. But there were more cases in men. So I think that's partly why the cases went up. And then the school holidays happened. So we had less interaction of children because, you know, children, and young people mixing in school, taking the infection home is always a, a big problem with respiratory viruses. So I think that kind of brought cases down a bit. As I say, people are behaving more or less the same. People didn't go mad on the 19th, which is reassuring. Now, I had been fearing an increase in cases round about now, about round about this weekend, as a result of the the, uh, the releasing restrictions on the 19th. But that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. So um, I'm fairly optimistic. Hospitalisations have gone up. But as we've just alluded to, people don't seem to be staying in hospital for so long. Mm. Um now this infection is still going to be around for a while and we now know that to some extent vaccinated people can spread the infection as well so it's not going to go away mm. but it seems to be affecting people milder mm. might, might the
1: gamble have worked out, do you think for, well, for Sage and for Boris?
0: Ne- 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 never say never but so far so good, yes uh, I think basic. the answer to your question is I think it probably has and uh, I strongly suspect it probably will
1: Mm. I see some nightclubs across the UK were disappointed with the turnout. There wasn't exactly people stampeding in the door when they opened up. There is still hesitancy among the people to take it, to to, to go mad, like you said. They're not not going crazy. They're so, well, okay, just because we can do that doesn't mean we're going to.
0: No, no, people are still being very, people are still being very reserved, actually. I mean, so there's slightly more mixing amongst uh, children out of school, less mixing in children in school, but... You know, the, the mixing amongst adults is much the same. I, I mean, we, we, we booked to go to a folk gig last night, actually, you know, m- months ago, hoping it would be all right. But, you know, it just didn't feel right. There's so much Delta variant about and there's mm. always the risk that you could get it to a mild degree and then pass it on to a more susceptible person. So we just just stayed in. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are thinking like that. You know, no, no, no friends have invited us round to their houses for drinks or food or anything like that. It, you know, it's um, people are still pretty well behaving as they were last summer. And um I think we're going to need a real drop in these numbers to be, to be reassured. It's going to take a bit of time to people get to get their social confidence back, mm. I think.
1: You talked there about, I mean, you yourself are fully vaccinated and mm. so am I and my mm. family. But still people are hesitant mm. in going out. And I think something that came out of the Centre for Disease Control during the week yeah, says right. that, that caution is justified. Yeah. Tell me what they're saying.
0: Yeah, well, the Centre for Disease Control, of course, had said that doubly vaccinated people in the States don't need to wear a mask um, if they're doubly vaccinated. It was kind of an honour system. And then they peddled back on that quite a bit and said no, wearing a mask in a public place would actually be a good idea. And there was a paper, um, it was actually a PowerPoint that was leaked a couple of days ago from the Centre for Disease Control. Now, some people say it was a leak, other people say it was deliberate, of course. Mm. But, but um, that did show that vaccinated people, well, first of all, vaccinated people, are less likely to get the infection, we know that. If they get the infection, they're less likely to be sick, uh, they're less likely to need hospitalised, and they're way less likely to die. So the vaccines are very good at protect- protecting against serious illness, hospitalisations, and death. And they are good at protecting against infection. So someone that's vaccinated is maybe a- about threefold less likely to get the infection. It's only got about a 33% of the chance of getting infected. But if they do get infected, then what the study has found is that the people that are carrying the infection who have been doubly vaccinated, even although they may may not be sick themselves, they're actually breathing out and coughing out a very high, very high viral load. Now, if that viral load, that viral load could readily infect another doubly vaccinated person. And of course, they're also likely to get very mild, minimal symptoms and very unlikely to get sick. But of course, that, other vaccinated person or the first vaccinated person could infect someone who is more vulnerable
1: doesn't that go back a little bit on what we taught months back that if you were only very mildly infected when you were vaccinated then you wouldn't have a big viral load that your level of symptoms was based on your viral load that kind of goes ahead against what we knew before
0: It does, and the answer to the question, PJ, is the Delta variant. So there was some research out of China, which a lot of people have uh, proved proved because it's out of China, but I've actually read the paper, and it seems that people with the Delta variant can have viral loads which are a 1,000 times higher than with the wild-type variants, massively higher viral load. Is that what's making it so infectious? Definitely that will make it more infectious, just the the massive viral load. I mean, there's people that have been in contact with... Uh, non-infected people literally for seconds and they've spread the virus on and of course it hangs in the air as well you know it's massively more infectious there may be slight differences in this spike protein thing that makes it uh absorb onto the uh
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: into the receptor sites more readily as well. But that, that high viral load is more than enough to, to change that. And I think that's what's changed the dynamics somewhat. Mm. But the great thing is that it's not transposing into more severe disease, hospitalizations, yeah. and deaths. So a case-demic really doesn't matter too much.
1: Now, the pause, I'll pause you there for a second. Mm. I've heard that term used a lot. On social media. This is a case-demic, not yeah. a pandemic. But it was mm. being used by people who would have liked to play the pandemic down anyway.
0: Mm. So
1: mm-hmm. to hear someone like yourself using that term, I'll yeah. pause you for a second, ask you to explain yeah. what you mean.
0: Yes, certainly. Yeah. So what what we were seeing initially, if we, t- if we take a year ago, before the vaccination programme started, when cases went up, then we knew in a week or two's time that the A percentage of those people, maybe 5% of those people would be getting sick. Four or 5% of those could be getting hospitalised. And of course, a percentage of of those would die. And this was like night following day. It was absolutely inevitable that that would happen. Cases are going up. We use this term baked in at that time. So cases go up. It's baked in that so many people will get sick. It's baked in that so many people will die completely inevitable that that would follow. Now, what the vaccinations have done is they have not broken that link entirely, but they have greatly, greatly weakened that link. So someone who is doubly vaccinated is 10 to 20 times less likely to be hospitalized than someone who is not vaccinated at all. So what this means is we've now got a lot of people that are testing positive. So the positivity numbers are are really can, can be fairly high. And the number that's being hospitalized is increasing, but nothing like as much as it did. So we're getting a lot more people with asymptomatic or minimal infection. And it's not baked in that they will get this more severe disease. Now, other countries with low vaccination uptake um, levels or, or not uptake levels where vaccine is not available, then this link is very much still there.
1: Mm.
0: So, you know, I'm worried about Thailand, Malaysia, Myanmar, Vietnam at the moment, where the vaccination rates are, are relatively low. Mm. Um so, so the, the increasing cases there will transpose into new cases.
1: And are you satisfied from analysing the data that in places like here and in the UK where vaccinations are good and other places where vaccinations are good, that the high number of cases is something we don't need to be overly concerned about because
0: the link is broken? The link's not broken, it's weakened. Yeah, OK. So, so because there's such high numbers, though, even though it's a small percentage that is hospitalised, it's still a concern. Right. So what, what what we need, we just need that extra few months now so that people that have been doubly vaccinated, for example, might get some infection, they'll get a higher level of immunity. And then presumably they're not going to be spreaders or carriers as much in the future. Mm. We just need this extra bit of time. But we are getting very close to this level of herd community immunity. Mm. And as I say, that's not going to kick in all of a sudden, but it's going to be gradual. But I think part of the reason we are seeing um, manageable hospitalizations and, and somewhat manageable cases is because that's starting to take some effect already yeah so you know an, an infected person that uh, might come in contact with someone who's doubly vaccinated who's therefore less likely to become infected yeah th- th- there are more immune people now in society as a whole and of course that that's that's only a good thing something else coming from the cdc now
1: is even if you're vaccinated if you're unlucky enough to get infected take yourself out of circulation because you are highly infectious?
0: Yes. I mean, basically, anyone who is testing positive is going to be infectious because it means they've got the virus. So someone who's testing positive, whether they're vaccinated or not, must consider themselves to be uh, infectious and should take themselves out of circulation because, as we've said, there's a risk they'll infect a vulnerable person who could become severely ill or, or die from this. And the, the, the other thing... The other thing that came from that information yesterday from the States was just how transmissible this is, PJ. Mm. I mean, on the graphic, the only communicable, common communicable disease which is more transmissible now than Delta variant, Delta variant SARS coronavirus 2 is measles.
1: I have to say, when I was watching your video, I paused it and I yeah. said, that, that's mad.
0: It is, completely. I've got the screen there. It's more transmissible than smallpox, polio, Spanish flu, Ebola, bird flu, Middle East respiratory syndrome, seasonal flu, common cold. And it's on a par with chickenpox. pox. Crikey. Which, as we know, spreads really quite quickly amongst children. But but the, the, the point is a lot of people still don't realise that when someone's been doubly vaccinated, they're not likely to get sick, but the symptoms they get aren't going to be the classic symptoms of the fever, the persistent mm. cough, the the anosmia that people used to get. The combination of the amount of people vaccinated, the amount of immunity in the in the population and this Delta variant basically has mean, meant that the, the clinical features have changed. Mm. So now the most common feature, whether you're vaccinated or not, if you become infected, is a headache. And then the second most common feature is a runny nose. And then we get sore throats, sneezing. Upper upper respiratory, common cold type symptoms. Dare I say it, hay fever type symptoms. Well, absolutely, you dare say yes. Completely. The the difference is the thing that would alert me to be more concerned is if it was hay fever accompanied by a headache. Mm. So, hay people that normally get hay fever, if they if they get their normal hay fever type symptoms, that could be hay fever. It could be common, of course. But if it's accompanied by a headache, then that would, to me, that would be an indication to get tested and take themselves out of circulation for a few days. Now, it looks like these people who are doubly vaccinated aren't shedding the virus for as long, Mm. but they can shed large amounts for a period of time. I, I I think... I've got an idea. What's happening here, actually? I mean, th- th- there was a there was an outbreak of um, a coronavirus in about 1890, I think it was, and that caused a similar situation to this. We believe in 1890, but that's one of the viruses that is still around now as a coronavirus that causes the common cold. Oh, so the features have changed because there's so much so much immunity to that. So I, I think we're getting this change in features, and I think the reason for it probably is that when people have been infected or had the vaccine, they've got this defense inside them this long lived defense this this uh, b and t cell defense mm. that we've heard about these these memory cells but the sort of um, the sort of antibodies that go into the mucus on the nose and the mouth that's a different type it's called an immu- immunoglobulin type a and they tend not to stick around for as long So I think what's happening in a lot of people is they're getting infected superficially in their mucous membranes, in their nose and the mouth and the throats, not going down to the lungs, not going into the whole body. Uh So they're not getting as sick. But um, for that short period of time, when the virus is proliferating in their mucous membranes, they can
1: chuck a lot of it out. That's
0: that's the risk. John, we're still talking about
1: variants and obviously Delta, dealing with Delta at the moment. Is there any concern in your mind, that we could get a more dangerous one emerging, say, from the United States? Or I think that didn't Public Health England say during the week, uh, at least my interpretation of what they said, was that there could be a very dangerous variant that would kill a lot of people?
0: Yes. Now, the probability of this is debated. Hmm. Um, Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies think this is a low-probability event. Other virologists think it's a high probability event. And the one we're worried about is an immune escape mutant, an immune escape variant. What is that now in, in layman's
1: language? What's yeah, that? yeah,
0: sure. What's happened so far is that the variants that have become most um, abundant have been the ones that outcompeted competed the other ones. So the alpha variant took over from the wild-type variant, not because it makes people sicker or anything like that, or may, maybe a little bit, but it's because it, because it, it out-competes, it transmits more, more readily. Um, and the same with the delta variant, that's become the global variant in the world because it out-competed, it, it, it out-transmitted the other ones. Now, the problem is now that we have a lot of people who are vaccinated or partially vaccinated, but we quite have quite a lot of the virus around at the moment. Now, we haven't had this before. So we've got a lot of people with immunity or partial immunity. And we've got quite a lot of virus around. Now, what this means, if there's an infection in a a vaccinated person, that person's immune system is likely to kill that virus. But if a virus mutates that happens to evade that person's immune system, mm. then that is the virus that's going to reproduce. I see. because it can, By definition, because it can evade the immune system.
1: Sounds to me like our issue here is community transmission. We've got to get to a point, a level of vaccination, where community transmission begins to
0: drop. Y- yes. The, the, the problem is purely the number of viruses, PJ. The more viruses there are, Every time the virus reproduces, there's a possibility that it will mutate. And there's a possibility that it will mutate in a vaccinated or partially vaccinated person under this selection pressure of the immunity that their bodies generated into an immune escape variant that will then proliferate. Hmm. Now, that the likelihood of that happening depends on the amount of virus replicating. Hmm. Like Public Health England were warning that
1: a mutant virus could kill one in three. Now, I looked at that and I said, that's crazy. That couldn't happen. Could it happen?
0: Well, (laughs) um, it's a very, very low, very, very low probability event. I'm not losing sleep over that at the moment. Yeah, Um, I I think that that there's, there's limits to how much viruses can mutate. So what you would expect to find is a virus with a brilliant transmissibility is probably not going to be brilliant at killing people as well. Mm, yeah, I, th- I think the probability of getting a virus with this genetic combination we have in SARS coronavirus two, that is particularly transmissible and particularly deadly. I-, I think that's a very low probability event. But the possibility of getting a virus which escapes the immune system of people that are vaccinated is a higher probability event, mm. and that's more that would be more my concern. This this immune escape vaccine. Now, it wouldn't be the end for humanity by any means, because. These vaccine manufacturers could rapidly tweak the, the vaccines yeah. and produce one which is, is, is a, uh, produce a new vaccine, mm. a top-up vaccine, which is able to combat that new variant, as indeed they are working on now for the Delta variant. Yes.
1: Unfortunately, the big problem worldwide, of course, is we're lucky here in this part of the world. We've got very high levels of vaccination and great to see it. Many, many parts of the world haven't, poorer parts of the world in particular. Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization has been saying since day one, there's none of us safe until all of us are safe. But there's no progress really, is there, on building vaccine supplies and factories in poorer countries and licensing agreements are holding the whole thing up. We might live to regret that.
0: Well, indeed, we might. I mean, what you tend to get in a lot of uh, poorer countries is you'll get a a proportion of the population that's partially vaccinated. Therefore, they have a degree of immunity. And that's exactly the circumstance where you could get a selection pressure in favour of one of these immune escape variants. Mm. So that is possible. I mean a bit a big dent in this was of course was the India pandemic. Uh, the, the Indians were in in the Serum Institute in India in Pune were making huge amounts of vaccines that were going all around the world but then with the with the epidemic in India of course they they had to vaccinate their own population which they're still working very hard to do. Vaccine production in the UK is estimated to increase to 700 million doses next year. Mm. Now even though there's not actual intellectual property rights that have been sort of democratised, if you like. There is a lot of uh, cooperation. I mean, I mean, the, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is particularly good at this. They're making it in Australia, they're making it in the States, they're making it in Canada, they're making it in South Africa, just just off the top of my head. So um, cooperation is going to greatly increase vaccine availability. Mm. But um, some of my videos I've been talking with a medical officer in uh, Uganda and he's working with patients all day every day. He hasn't had his first dose of vaccine yet. Mm. No, th- th- this is a dangerous situation and it is one that the world needs to address with with a degree of urgency. I mean it, it is right in terms of absolute in absolute terms it's not over for for anyone till it's over for everyone you're quite right. Yeah.
1: John Lever there for today always a pleasure to speak with you and thank you very much. Thanks PJ Quartz ninety six FM.